We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome in to the state of recruiting right here on College Football Nation. We are talking, as the show title suggests, college football recruiting day in, day out, week in, week out, as we count down towards the early National Signing Day right around the corner in December. I'm your host, John Garcia Jr. You can catch me right here, of course. You can catch me on the Locked On Podcast Network, as well as the main gig, at sportsillustratedsi.com slash college for more countdown to signing day content. But I won't rant over there like I will rant over here. And that brings me to today's show topic. It is decommitment season, y'all. Flip season, change of heart season, heart-stopping roller coaster, emotional ride season from a college football recruiting standpoint. You don't have to Catch that information here. Anywhere you look in college football recruiting, it is that time of year where you start to get worried if you're a fan of school X, that school Y is going to take your recruits. And conversely, you get excited about potentially taking your other programs recruits, your rivals, your uh, understudies, little brothers, if you will, depending on where your college football allegiance aligns. It kind of reminds me of if, if you watch – NFL red zone on Sundays, right? Scott Hansen uh, does amazing non-bathroom work where he is standing there for seven hours, giving you the absolute latest as it unfolds in the national football league. Every time the third quarter ends and the fourth quarter is about to begin, what, what does he call it? He calls it the witching hour where losses become wins and wins become losses. However, the tagline goes, that is where we're at in college football recruiting. It is the witching hour. It is the time of year where, Long-time commits don't feel as strong as they used to, and new targets, even those committed to other schools, feel more appealing for some programs here in the class of 2023. And early on in November, we're recording this on November 9th, the morning of November 9th, as a hurricane bears down on my home state of Florida. Stay safe, everyone. Potential hurricane, not a hurricane just yet. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As we look at November thus far, nine days into the month, there's already been nine decommitments from Power 5 recruits in this class of 2023. Some of them have made flips already, and some of them appear on the cusp of doing so. Yes, I'm looking at you, Texas Longhorns, having flipped Colton Vasek from Oklahoma and potentially on the verge of flipping Anthony Hill from Texas A&M. We'll dig into that just a little bit later. But first, I got to start at the game's most important position. If we're talking about November decommitments, the first one that came in really perked my ears up, and my ears have remained perked up thereafter because of the fallout. So on November 2nd, a bit of a surprise, just scanning Twitter, as I usually do, because that's where the news ends up uh, if it's not in my, my text message archive. And I see Bo Edmondson decommits from Michigan State. Now, on the surface level, you're like, okay, this is a quarterback, Michigan State, Hasn't been great all year. Uh, Decommitment, you know, a little bit late, but kind of uh, understandable just from an optics perspective, right? I mean, uh, a kid from Texas, no true ties uh, to Michigan State in and of itself, gets on Twitter on November 2nd and pens this, uh, this decommitment letter that we're used to seeing. He said, quote, after much thought and many considerations with my family and my coaches at Lake Travis, I've decided to decommit from Michigan State University and reopen my recruiting. I just want to thank Coach Tucker and Coach Johnson for all the time they spent with me and my family this past year. This is a difficult decision, and I appreciate all the support that I have received through this journey. So again, surface level, okay. Uh, you know, a mid-level quarterback decommits uh, from a Power 5 school. Having uh, picked up a bunch of scholarship offers, he can jump into one other option. No big deal. Again, it's just par for the course this time of year. But then I looked into it a little bit more with Bo Edmondson. This is not your conventional decommitment. And the first key to that is how the Michigan State beat, whether it's you know rivals 24-7 on three, ESPN, et cetera, how the Michigan State beat covered this decommitment. Usually it's prospect X decommits from school X and it's kind of a cut and dry quick story. The fan base doesn't want to read it too much because usually the prospect is parting ways with the program. But the industry and that beat at Michigan State covered it kind of simultaneously the same way. They said Michigan State and Bo Edmondson parted ways. So now as a veteran of this industry of more than a decade, now my ears perk up like, hold on, red alert, red flag. What, what's going on here? 
something else is is lingering in this situation. So you look into it, and there's really two different schools of thought with a, a coach or a coaching staff parting ways with a recruit. One, something happened, right? Uh, naturally, something bad happened. Maybe something illegal happened, and, and the school does not want to deal with that. So, hey, we're going to go ahead and pull this scholarship off for good luck going forward. But, you know, you're not a fit for us, maybe culturally or, or legally in some cases. That wasn't what happened with Bo Edmondson, right? No, nothing fishy from his person or his part, as far as we can tell, just a couple of days later. So the other school of thought when a school does this is something athletically. Hey, you haven't lived up to it maybe since your verbal commitment. You have regressed as a prospect or we think we can over-recruit you. And what that means is we think we can go grab a better prospect at your position. And that's the part where it's really tough, right? Optically looks bad for the program unless you do successfully land that better quarterback prospect or whoever he may be. Um, and two, it's tough on the program because you, you, you want to run through the mill of the business of college football recruiting and always try to upgrade if, if we're never possible, right? It, it's a talent acquisition business and it's 12 months a year on a rotating schedule of crazy roster management that every single college coach complains about. So you understand Michigan State's business-like perspective of, hey, if we can get a better recruit, we go get a better recruit. And now we're giving the kid time to explore his additional options before National Signing Day come December, or maybe even it stretches to February in Bo's case. So as you look into it more, you can understand the optics on both sides of this thing, positively and negatively, positively. And hey, Mel Tucker wants to upgrade and negatively and dang, parting ways with this kid uh, just before signing day, just about a month. Pretty tough, pretty tough to navigate in that regard. And then you look more into this Bo Edmondson situation and the kid's been hurt all year. He just came back at the end of October. Herniated disc is, is what I'm seeing reported by, by local newspapers down in the state of Texas. So he herniated his disc, missed a lot of time. Bo himself has been quoted in saying he's had complications to that injury, meaning uh, it lingered a lot longer. The recovery was a lot longer than many folks expected. But he just finally got back at Lake Travis at the end of October and then November 2nd. Michigan State parts ways with him. Uh, so tough timing there for Edmondson. But look, this kid's you know back. He's healthy. Maybe not 100%, but he's healthy enough to, to make some uh, production there at the quarterback position at Lake Travis after a huge junior season, right? The one that put him on the map and initially got Michigan State on board where he scored 40 total touchdowns against, I believe, just two interceptions there at Lake Travis High School in Austin, which has produced a ton of big-time uh, prospects at the quarterback position. In particular, he very much until this year looked like the next man up in that quarterback lineage and then suffers the injury. We don't see him a lot in the offseason, in the camp and combine circuit, Elite 11, all that stuff. And then obviously a late start to his senior season there at Lake Travis. So tough timing for Bo Edmondson. And you understand where, again, optically, this does not look great for Michigan State. But there is silver lining on that side of the coin. And remember, it, it should be noted in all these cases here, college coaches cannot comment on prospective student athletes. So it's not like Mel Tucker can come out and say, hey, you know, it wasn't this kind of situation with Bo. Let me clear the air. This is exactly how it went down. We didn't drop him in this way, shape or form as it's being presented. Right. So it's tough on college coaches as well. They can't come out and say that 
until the kid signs his national letter of intent. But again, on that first scenario we talked about, if you're going to drop a kid, you better go out recruit him. You better go get somebody better. And with who Michigan State has in mind, it would certainly be an optical upgrade. I think it would tangibly be an upgrade uh, at the quarterback spot if you hit. But can Michigan State hit on this target? I'm not so sure. And if you're connecting some dots and you're thinking about geography and the top quarterbacks in the class of 2023, you know who the top target is for Michigan State. It was probably their top target all along. But when you took Bo Edmondson, you bowed out of the race for Dante Moore, number one player in the state of Michigan, number one quarterback and overall recruit for us at Sports Illustrated. Early in his recruitment, there was a lot of Notre Dame buzz, but Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, they were all in there, right? It was very much a Midwestern feel for Dante Moore in terms of where he would end up. Four-year starter at Detroit King High School, has him in the playoffs right now, coming off of a huge game as a passer and a runner, by the way. Three rushing touchdowns over 70 yards on the ground for a kid who's not really known as a mobile dual threat run first type quarterback. So some balance and modern ability there, which uh, reinforces our standing uh, of having more as the top quarterback in this class of quarterbacks. It's it's known as the year of the QB. He's the best one in our opinion as of at this time. But anyway, you understand why Michigan State early in projecting this class of 2023 would have had him number one on the board, right? A Detroit kid. King is very friendly to Michigan State. Plenty of connections between those two programs um, and a kid who could be that galvanizing recruit, well-known recruit that started picking up offers in eighth and ninth grade. So boom, he would be the face of your program, certainly the face of your recruiting class, understandably so, having him number one on the board. But Again, early Notre Dame buzz for Dante, really extending all the way until this past offseason before he made his verbal commitment to Oregon. Of course, the program that has had Dante on board since the end of the summer months. And going into that, you know, it was very, very hotly contested. But Michigan State, mainly because it had Bo Edmondson on board, was not really involved in the later stages of the Dante Moore recruitment. It was Oregon, Texas A&M, LSU, Florida, Miami, uh, schools like that. Uh, Michigan State hadn't been mentioned with him for a very, very long time. And scanning my notes really quickly here, uh, Bo Edmondson's verbal commitment to Michigan State dates back to February of 2022. So naturally, uh, almost a year before signing day, Edmondson was on board with Texas again, or excuse me, with Michigan State out of Texas, coming off of that great 2021 season where he scored 40 total touchdowns so now the conversation shifts from okay optics plus or minus however you want to look at it to wait a minute does Michigan State feel confident enough in their pursuit of Dante Moore to have let Bo Edmondson go could it be that simple if that's the case it would be the biggest flip of the cycle it would be the biggest news of the recruiting cycle because now the number one quarterback is flipping his verbal commitment from one school to the other. We have not seen a lot of quarterbacks decommit at the very top and flip to another school uh, this time of year, right? It usually happens in the offseason leading into your senior year, like it did for Eli Holstein, for instance, decommits from Texas AM, now on board with Alabama. That is the time of year we typically see that stuff go down. There is a little window, though, between Thanksgiving and Christmas every single cycle because of the carousel, the portal, now NIL. Uh, coaching changes, and just that time of year where we're finalizing things as as recruits about to sign that letter of intent, 
there is a window where things do often change from one school to the next if there is mutual interest between both parties. So is this Michigan State being bold and saying we will let Bo go with even with a puncher's chance of landing Dante Moore or is there some behind-the-scenes momentum for Sparty in keeping Dante Moore within state lines? Now, of course, this is one of the biggest stories in college football recruiting. A lot of people have been checking in on this, including yours truly. I do have some sources on the West Coast, and I may or may not have hit one in Eugene that I trust. And I said, hey, what's the confidence level in Dante Moore sticking with the Ducks? There was an LOL involved in the reply that I got. So there is still true confidence in Oregon holding on to Dante Moore. I personally otherwise haven't heard enough to think that Michigan State is is not making a bold play here and they're making a conventional play to say, hey, we're going to upgrade at the quarterback position. Say goodbye to Prospect X, Prospect Y, welcome aboard. Let's go run this thing uh, and, and, and see if you can make waves in East, East Lansing sooner rather than later. But again, everything I've heard to date, and it's still early, says that uh, Michigan State is being bold trying to swing for the fences here as opposed to real and true traction between Dante Moore and Mel Tucker's program. Doesn't mean Mel Tucker's program isn't trying. I'm sure he, the OC, the quarterback's coach, everybody's on board with Dante Moore, and and he's being flooded to a degree. Dante has confirmed to me since making that verbal commitment to Oregon that other schools have continued to stay in contact. He remains respectful of programs that are in contact with him. He's a smart kid, uh, very businesslike in his approach to recruiting. So naturally you do expect him to reciprocate some of that interest, at least from a respectful standpoint in terms of keeping that communication. But when does it turn tangible? Could there be a visit to East Lansing? Uh, What does Michigan State's home slate look like? Could he potentially get on campus for a visit that all remains to be seen i think the biggest thing here two things one dante the ball's going to be in his court right it's his decision to make this kid was really stressed going into that oregon verbal commitment and there was a true sense of relief when he was done the kid is thorough took a ton of visits a ton of visits before all was said and done here and now he really wants to focus on king senior year of high school, coming off of a state championship. He went to the state title game as a sophomore as well. But there is a sense that he's really all in on this on this senior season at King High School. And now they're in the playoffs, right? So there is a sense on one hand that he will navigate that schedule and focus there before any potential flirtations or tangible differences in his recruiting are to take place. So if you're a Michigan State fan listening Watch Detroit uh, King High School play on Friday night. See if they come out with the W or the L. If they fall, you can start to keep an eye on Dante Moore and start and, and start to try to figure out, can he get on campus for one of these next two home games? MSU, peeping at their schedule here, has got a home game this weekend against Rutgers, and they're home one more time the following weekend against Indiana. So beyond November 19th, no more home games for Michigan State if that is the plan, right? If you're going to flip Dante Moore, the sense is you got to get him on campus at least one more time. And the game schedule tells us just two more opportunities here to do so. And that would be the next two weekends. Uh, So again, if King wins and starts rolling towards another state title, you may not have an opportunity to get him on campus for a game. That said, of course, this is, you know, East Lansing to Detroit, not very far, right? And I'm not a, a geographical expert here, uh, but not very far. That's something you can absolutely get in the car and accomplish. But how 
does Dante navigate that with respect to Oregon, where he has been extremely firm, uh, both publicly and privately since making that verbal commitment? Again, a lot went into it. Dante probably committed later than he wanted to in the first place because he was that thorough. He needed that much due diligence in order to make this call. And a lot of first-year coaching staffs were involved, right? We mentioned Oregon, LSU, Miami, even Notre Dame, technically, uh, first-year coaching staff involved uh, in, in that recruitment. So because of all of that, uh, that there was an extension in, in his decision-making window uh, before he popped for Oregon. And obviously, look, the elephant in the room is, hey, Oregon's rolling under Dan Landing, right? Um, only one loss uh, to Georgia to, to start the season, uh, potentially in position for a college football playoff berth. The Ducks are if if they win out. And Bo Nix, as the quarterback for Landing and Kenny Dillingham, the offense coordinator, I mean, he's a Heisman contender, right? He, he is breaking you know some of Justin Herbert's records. He is scorched earth uh, hot right now in recruiting, or excuse me, on the field over the last uh, two weekends, I think 11 touchdowns uh, to his name. Bo Nix. So um, things are rolling with that offense right now in Eugene. And comparatively, Michigan State has has hit some upsets here over the last few weeks, including at Illinois uh, just this past weekend. Uh, but that offense isn't exactly uh, rolling here. Some of the point totals Sparty has put up uh, this year have, have not been pretty, right? Just seven points against uh, Minnesota, just seven points against Michigan, um, just 20 in that blowout loss to Ohio State. So um, the point totals, the offense isn't rolling quite similarly in East Lansing as it is in Eugene, Oregon, under that first-year coaching staff in combination of Dan Lanning and Kenny Tillingham. So again, nothing has come across my desk to suggest more is seriously considering Michigan State, but obviously geographically and over the long stretch of Moore's recruitment, there is a relationship between Tucker and he and, and, and that coaching staff. So something to keep an eye on, but nothing tangible at this point, unless he takes a visit to me over uh, to East Lansing. So something to keep an eye on. There's, of course, a wild card scenario here, right? We, we've heard Dan Lanning uh, mentioned in some rumors with, with some of these open gigs in college football, particularly Auburn. Should something like that happen? Uh, obviously, all bets are off, right? That, that's a true wild card scenario if your head coach or even your offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, who's calling obviously a great year for Oregon, if he moves on, maybe gets a head coaching gig elsewhere. Uh, I know Arizona State uh, has, has some ties to him. He's from the state of Arizona. That would be a gig uh, that would potentially work for both parties. Something like that pops off. Then all of a sudden, obviously, Dante Moore becomes that much more potentially fluid in, uh, in his own recruiting scenario. But Kind of a touchy situation, right? How do you navigate that process from Michigan State's perspective of dropping a Bo Edmondson and trying to go get a Dante Moore? If you get him, all bets are off. Totally makes sense. We get it. You upgrade it, right? I think even Bo would understand that. But if you don't and, and you take another quarterback or maybe you go the transfer portal route and Bo Edmondson is, is left without that scholarship, especially coming off of an injury, optically doesn't look the best for Mel Tucker and company, but luckily for all of us, we're going to get those answers here in just about five weeks when the early signing period kicks off. Okay, understandably, we spent a lot more time on the Bo Edmondson, Dante Moore deal than I expected to spend on this here podcast. So we're going to go with a little bit more up-tempo in our approach here to, to reflect the modern game. Uh, let's run through some of these other decommitments that are quite interesting uh, to track here. Uh, 
in the month of November, just from a national uh, standpoint, because there are some kind of no-brainer decommitments that have gone down where you feel like another school is going to immediately benefit. We've already seen it in one case with Colton Vasek, the SI-99 pass rusher out of Austin. Westlake decommits from Oklahoma, has already verbally committed to Texas. So that was a true flip from one school to the next and a really big deal for Texas, right? Uh, optically losing an Austin Westlake recruit anywhere is tough, right? Just like last year with, with Cade Klubnick, um, you know, you didn't have Quinn Ewers on board at the time. So I, I don't think there was a compensation there, but Klubnick was an Austin Westlake quarterback. One of the, the many great quarterbacks to come out of that school, Drew Brees, Nick Foles, et cetera. Um, losing him was tough optically. This cycle, Two big-time Austin-Westlake recruits have said no thanks. Actually, three have said no thanks to Texas, the local school, right? T.J. Shanahan, who's on board with AM, Jaden Greathouse, a receiver who is on board with Notre Dame, and Colton Vasek at the time spurned Texas for Oklahoma despite about a billion ties to the University of Texas where he is a legacy recruit. But all has changed on November 8th. Vasek flipped that verbal commitment from Oklahoma back to Texas. So Texas gets off the schneid in the Austin Westlake front and they, they may not be done. Uh, right. Jaden Greathouse, as we mentioned, another SI 99 recruit there at Austin Westlake is scheduled uh, to visit Texas this weekend. So the flip game for Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns is going to be something to watch here down the stretch. And it's working on both sides of the coin, right? You've, you've flipped Vasek. You're trying to flip Great House. You're trying to flip Anthony Hill, who decommitted from Texas A&M recently as well. But other schools are trying to poach your verbal commitment list as well, uh, whether it's Derek Williams, the cornerback or the safety cornerback Malik Muhammad is one that many programs are trying to persuade to change his mind. It looks like Alabama could be position, positioning itself for a flip there. Number one running back Cedric Baxter took a visit to Florida State. Recently for an official, he was once an FSU verbal commitment, and he's from the state of Florida. So that's one to keep an eye on uh, as well. From the Texas perspective, Jonte Cook, the top wide receiver, visited Oregon recently. That could be one to watch as well. So Texas going down the stretch, even beyond the flip of Vasek, is going to be involved in the flip game one way or the other, and potentially both ways, right? You flip someone, and then you get flipped there uh, uh, thereafter. So Texas is, is going to be fun to watch here down the stretch. Another committed recruit set to visit UT this weekend, Jacoby Lane, big wide receiver from Arizona, blew up this offseason and has since committed to USC. Texas is a school, especially with Arch Manning on board, that that long wide receiver is keeping close tabs on so keep an eye on jacoby lane visiting the 40 acres this weekend uh, again texas not immune to the flip game look they lost a commitment in november as well right so they flipped vasic but they lost jamal johnson just the day prior on november 7th he's an in-state safety from arlington old miss has some traction in that recruitment after hosting him for a visit an official visit for their win over kentucky so texas definitely at the forefront of the flip game decommitment season, silly season, whatever we want to call it this time of year. We mentioned Anthony Hill previously decommitted from AM on the 7th. Huge deal in college football recruiting. This is another SI 99 recruit, big time linebacker, one of the most complete players in this class. We talk about floor and ceiling and um, your upside and all these things. 
Anthony Hill has a complete game and a controlled, mature game at the linebacker position at 6'2", 225. He's also physically ready-made for college football from a height, weight, and frame standpoint. Smart, cerebral player who can rush the passer, can drop back in coverage, and can certainly run sideline to sideline and rack up the tackles. Big fan of his game. He is off the board for Texas A&M and uh, looks like a lean towards Texas with that visit scheduled for this weekend. TCU looks like a player. I think Florida, Miami, USC, Alabama, Oklahoma, a lot of other schools were involved in that recruitment before he popped for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. You wonder what that looks like down the stretch. He's already taken all five official visits, but he can obviously hit the road for some unofficials, much like he'll do this weekend over at Austin for that UT-TCU game. And then you also wonder when he's going to decide. Right now, I would venture to think he's going to wait until that early signing period next month. So the school is making up ground, theoretically, against Texas, who is certainly the optical favorite here. Now you've got time to make that push, whether you're Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier, Lincoln Riley, Brent Venables, etc. Moving on to some other big decommitments and some schools that could be in position here going forward. Uh, Tretch Kekahuna originally from Hawaii, decommits from Wisconsin. He's now playing at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, Nevada, one of the top high schools in the country. Little slot receiver, 5'11", 180 pounds or so. Decommits from Wisconsin, where, of course, there has been a coaching change, uh, although Jim Leonard, we, we think, as the interim, has, has an opportunity to stick it out uh, and be the permanent head coach. Kekahuna has visited Oregon, and it looks like the Ducks – could be in prime position there. He decommitted on November 3rd. So he's certainly one we're keeping an eye on uh, to a degree. Don't know when he's going to wrap up the recruiting process, but that's one, again, I, I do have my collective eye on as Oregon looks to flip a, a bunch of recruits, right? Kekahuna is there. Jamari Johnson uh, is committed to Louisville. He's one that Oregon has been pretty darn high on. Uh, for some time. So these pass catchers and with the success of Oregon's offense this season, uh, you do understand that a little bit more offensive firepower could be that much more interested in Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. And then another decommitment that's a little bit more under the radar, but worth talking about is Khalifa Keith, big physical downhill running back out of Birmingham, Alabama, Parker high school, Blew up as a junior, Kentucky identified early, got him that green light after the scholarship offer, and he jumped on board, uh, I believe, in the summer months, and it was quiet, but he has since had a pretty big senior season, especially early on, and a bunch of other schools have jumped in with scholarship offers. Auburn is involved, South Carolina is involved, and Tennessee is involved among SEC programs. That's the one to keep an eye on. Tennessee has raided the state of Alabama in this cycle. They just picked up on the eighth. They just picked up Vison Lang, a big interior offensive lineman at a Pike Road High School. Um, and Tennessee wants to play balanced. Again, we, we we look at Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel and that offense and think it's all about the big play, the deep ball, all that stuff. And, and it is to a degree, but tempo and the running game is what sets that up for UT. So a big physical downhill back is something they don't necessarily have 
on that roster. We saw them coveting that uh, in their pursuit of other backs, Dante Dowdle from Mississippi, Roderick Robinson from San Diego, who has since committed to Georgia. Um, Tennessee's after a big physical downhill back. And now Keith is lined up a visit to Knoxville this coming weekend. And it looks like they could be the emerging favorites for uh, his services. Just not sure when that commitment is going to take place now that he has decommitted from Kentucky and other schools are, are keeping an eye on Keith as well. I think Miami offered on Tuesday night. Uh, they do not have a running back verbally committed in this class of 2023. So the Canes could be a program to keep an eye on uh, there as well. I think they also offered a Michigan running back commitment from the state of Michigan. So Miami definitely one of the programs that could be involved in the flip game here moving forward they're, they're trying to flip a bunch of players right Jalen Brown the wide receiver committed to LSU uh, Stan Quan Clark the linebacker committed to Louisville Louisville's got a, a big target on its back right uh, a program that has um, benefited from some additional NIL exposure I think that's safe to say Ruben Owens big time SI 99 running back recruit verbally committed there um, among a bunch of other explosive offensive players out of the region, right? Owens from Texas, and they've got this huge California contingent um, on board right now, led by quarterback Pierce Clarkson. Um, Louisville has has splashed in recruiting, and a lot of other programs are now trying to combat that. And a bunch of Louisville commits are on flip watch. I think DeAndre Moore is probably the most likely. Georgia and Texas both heavily involved there. He'll be at Texas this weekend as well. Uh, we mentioned a couple other Louisville players. That could be uh, up for grabs. Stanquan Clark, the linebacker from South Florida, included there uh, to a degree. So Miami, like Texas, is going to be involved in this flip game uh, potentially both ways here. So Miami commits are extremely coveted by a bunch of programs as well, including their quarterbacks, Jaden Rashada and Emory Williams, one of the few schools with multiple verbal commitments at the quarterback position. Both Elite 11 finalists are Rashada and Williams, each of them. Plenty of interest here going forward. Uh, Florida, Auburn, Mississippi State, Texas A&M have overlapped for both of these guys at different points in the process. And there's a lot of curiosity with these open gigs, right? If Auburn, for instance, fills its role, its open job with a, a great offensive mind or a well-reputable offensive mind, Emory Williams could be a true target of the Tigers because he's in the panhandle of Florida. So in one sense, closer to Auburn, Alabama than you are to Coral Gables in uh, in the Miami area. So flip season is here. Uh, we can go on and on here. Kamari Moulton flipped from Florida Atlantic to Iowa, big downhill running back, or I should say versatile downhill running back out of Cardinal Gibbons High School in Florida. There's a lot of decommitments going down uh, and not as many verbal commitments going down because we're also at that time, ladies and gentlemen, where we're close to early signing day, right? So there is a sense of if I'm going to commit, great, let's do it privately or on the low and then just sign. And maybe there's some more fanfare and a little bit more buzz and hype around that. So uh, these visits are ultra critical here down the stretch. We've already talked about some of the biggest visitors coming this weekend. We'll have another podcast detailing that later this week. Huge visit weekend across college football as we get closer to crunch time, official, unofficial visits, all of that stuff will be factored in because there's some huge games, right? TCU, Texas obviously speaks for itself. That will be a monster visitor list that we hopefully will dig into here 
over the next couple of days, but we just wanted to play a little bit of catch up, right? Last week, we came out with our November update to the rankings, the top 25 classes right now at Sports Illustrated. We wanted to look at that. So now the next step in that is who's still available? And, and that group of guys is changing literally by the day. So the flip game going to be a big part. The decommitment game going to play a big part in how the final pieces of this 2023 puzzle are uh, to be placed. So it will be fun down the stretch. Countdown to National Signing Day. If I had some a uh, couple extra dollars, I'd have a clock rolling up here with that countdown towards the early signing period in December. But you guys can handle it, right? You guys uh, are are well seasoned in this recruiting game, so you know it is truly crunch time when the weather turns and the holidays approach. Crunch time arrives along with it in recruiting, and we hope to be your one-stop shop destination for all the biggest news in college football recruiting as it goes down. Check me out on Twitter, John Garcia underscore JR, of course, at SI.com, and most consistently right here on College Football Nation for your state of recruiting.